You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Revealing the Father, Part 6. Enjoy. Are you happy this morning? You should be. God loves you so much. And He's never going to stop loving you. Nothing can make Him stop. Nothing can cause Him to love you any less. He loves you with all of His heart all of the time. Isn't that amazing? And no one can ever change that. I want to encourage you this week and today as you're going through your day to remind yourself that God loves me with all that He is. And He proved it by giving His one and only Son for me. He demonstrated His love by giving me His one and His only Son. So at Highway Church, we welcome you guys. If this is your first time here, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming out on Memorial Day weekend. We want you to know we're a little different here. You may have figured that out already. But we, we know something that a lot of people don't know. We have some inside information. And that is that Jesus didn't come to set up a religion. He actually came to bring us into a liberating relationship with God as our Father. And man, there's nothing sweeter than knowing Him personally. And we're in the midst of a series right now called Revealing the Father. M millions upon millions, perhaps probably billions, yeah, billions of people in the world do not have an intimate relationship with God as their Father. And one of the biggest roadblocks to that is religion. It is. Man's religious tradition and man's religious ideas. We're not trying to put anyone down, but it's important to recognize where truth comes from. Jesus is the truth. He's a person. He's not a book. He's not a, a, an encyclopedia collection. He's the person of God. So truth is not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. And when you enter into a relationship with the person of truth, freedom comes. Joy and peace comes. Healing comes. Strength comes. Wisdom comes through the person of Jesus. So we had said in our series that Jesus did not come as an example for us, but of us. Those two little words change everything. Jesus emptied himself of his godliness. Many believers don't know this, but he did. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that. He didn't come to earth in all of his glory. He actually came through the womb of a virgin. And he came as a baby. All right? He emptied himself of his glory, and he referred to himself as the son of man. Jesus did what he did. He exampled for us what it's like to walk on earth in relationship with God as your Father. Very important to understand that. Now, yes, Jesus was also God. He was all God and all man. I don't know that I quite get that, but he was. I don't have to get it. I just believe it. But it's important to understand in the Gospels, he was doing what he was doing, not only as the Lamb of God, but as a man demonstrating to us how to live. Okay? And in Mark eleven twenty two, the message translation, Jesus gives us an invitation to embrace this God life. I like that. 
embrace this God life. Get in on it. Do like I do. Think like I think. Speak like I think. Speak like I speak, right? So the Holy Spirit and Jesus were working together in the Gospels. Jesus did what he did as a man through faith in God as his Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't misunderstand me. Yes, he was God, but he came to earth as a man. It's important to understand that, okay? If he came as God in all of his glory, they couldn't crucify him, right? He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't die. He had to lay down his life, didn't he? He had to let them do that to him. He had real flesh just like you have. Of course, the main difference is he was born of the Holy Spirit, conceived in the womb of a virgin. And he is God, but he came as a man. We okay on that? We understanding what's being said there? People misunderstand that. So God made us in his image. He sent Jesus to redeem the image of God and man, to bring you back to the place where God designed you to be, where God purposed you to be. And the Holy Spirit was sent into the earth on the day of Pentecost to empower us to live this God life, okay? To do the things Jesus did, and like Jesus said, and greater things than these. John 14, right? 12 through 14. Now, I love the book of Acts. Acts is not over yet. You know that, right? Some churches have put it into a box on a shelf and said that was great, but that was just... For then, it's not for now. It's so sad that they've done that. As a result, they miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit. And they go through life trying to solve problems just like the world does. Jesus commanded his disciples, don't do that. Don't go anywhere until you're clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. We saw on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, which is 50 days after Passover, we saw the reversal of Babel last week. Do you remember? Or was it the week before? Somewhere in the last two weeks we talked about it. It was the reversal of Babel because at the Tower of Babel, man in his arrogance said, we don't need God. We're going to do it our way. And man was scattered throughout the earth and began speaking different languages, couldn't understand anyone anymore, each other anymore, right? But in the book of Acts, we see the power of the Holy Spirit come upon the disciples, the 120, and they begin speaking, and there, were, there was someone present from every nation under earth. It says in Acts 2.5. And we see every nation hearing the gospel at one time. It was a reversal of Babel. It was an ushering in of Mount Zion instead of Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, when the law was given, which is what Pentecost celebrates, right? The law was given in Exodus. I forget what the chapter is. It's, is it 1232? I don't remember. I forget the chapter. But it declares that 3,000 people died. When the law was given. When the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people got saved. That's right. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. That's the life we're living. This is that new covenant. We're not at Mount Sinai anymore. Mount Sinai anymore. My mouth isn't going as quick as <laughs> the things I want to say. We've been brought to Mount Zion now. God is our Father. Christ is living inside of us. We're full of the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit to speak God's language again. That's why Jesus commanded his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't try and be my witnesses until you're clothed with power from on high. And we saw the evidence of that power This was speaking in tongues. And oftentimes people confuse, there's a lot of confusion about speaking in tongues. 
when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, their spirit was empowered to pray through their mouth in a language their mind did not understand. What is the benefit of that? Jesus said you'll be clothed with power. Remember we looked at Proverbs 18.21 last week. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Their tongue was empowered to pray directly to God without their natural mind getting in the way. Your natural mind is limited. Your spirit is not. People don't understand this. That's why there's so much confusion about speaking in tongues. And people are like, wow, that's, that's of the devil. It's not of the devil. It's of Jesus. Amen. Don't run away from it. Embrace Jesus. If he commanded his disciples not to go anywhere without it, I'm sure not going to argue with him. I was amazed after I started reading the Bible at how many Christians don't really uh, stick to it and come up with their own ideas about the Holy Spirit. Now, what people often do about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they confuse that with the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for, as Peter said in Acts 2, it's for all of you. It's for all who are far off. It's for you. It's for your children. And that is a personal empowerment to pray to God in a language you've never studied. And the benefits are huge. As Jude said, build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. And I'm so, I, I wouldn't want to live without it. It is for every believer. Okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Those are something that not all of us have all the time. It actually teaches that as the Spirit wills. And those are for ministry purposes. So, for example, let's say I'm traveling somewhere and I meet someone from Puerto Rico and the Lord wants to minister to them. Well, I don't speak any Spanish. The gift, the spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12 of speaking in tongues, if the Spirit wills, can come upon me and I can speak perfect Puerto Rican to that person supernatural but that's as the spirit wills and as he leads that's not something i can do on my own but when you're baptized in the holy spirit you can pray in the spirit anytime you want but that's not to, for me to go up to someone else and pray in the spirit to them they're not going to understand it so i want to encourage you to pray in the spirit to 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 receive the baptism of the holy spirit and pray with your spirit paul said i pray with my spirit and i pray with my understanding most believers just pray with their understanding, and they miss out on praying with their spirit. Okay, our understanding is limited. Your new recreated spirit is not. All right. We don't want to spend a lot of time on that. We want to get into the next segment of this series. Now, although God loves us so much, and he makes us feel like we're the only person on earth, the truth is he loves the person next to you, as much as he loves you. And he wants to reveal himself to the person next to you as much as he wants to reveal himself to you. So because of this endless love that God has for the world, those who already know him have been given a mission. If you've put your faith in Christ, you have a mission from heaven. We're the real Blues Brothers. We are. That was just a movie. They said they were on a mission for God, but that's all fiction. We're the real blues brothers. So next week, get your shades, get your black suit and your hat, 
Because you are on a mission from God. But the accomplishment of this mission will not happen through religious tradition. It won't happen through our own ideas and philosophies. The only way for us to accomplish the mission of God the Father is through relationship with Him. Through real faith in the real Jesus. Let's go to John 14, 6. Isn't it good? Remember, the, the, the people that gave Jesus the most difficult time were the religious people. The religious leaders, the experts in the scriptures, they were convinced they knew it. And he said, you, you know, you search and you study them because you think in them you have life, but they're teaching that, the scriptures are teaching that you about me, right? God was standing in front of them. They couldn't recognize him because of their religious tradition. Yeah. So let's look at Jesus. We need a relationship with him so God can reveal himself through us. Jesus said to him, and that was Thomas, he said, I am the way. Is he being arrogant? No, just being honest, right? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a relief that is. I'm so glad. Isn't it great when you're looking for something and you can't find it and it's been days and all of a sudden it pops up? Jennifer lost her phone a couple weeks ago. Oh, what a tragedy. <laughs> Our whole lives changed. So we felt like we were, we were back in a little house in the prairie or something. It was just awful. But God brought us through. Yeah. We said, phone, come back. In Jesus' name. <laughs> but when you're looking for something and you find it, what a relief, right? What, this is a relief to us. Ah, I can know God now. I can put my faith in Jesus and I can know the Father. The, God can become my Father because Jesus is the way. Amen. He's the truth. He's the life. Hallelujah. I love it. So, because Jesus is the way, at Highway Church, we're crazy about Jesus. I remember someone telling me, yeah, I came, first time I came, he must have said Jesus 70 times. And he said, and after a while, I realized, oh, this is good. I need, to, I need more Jesus. So, if you want more Jesus, this is a great place to come, because we've got more Jesus for you, all right? So, because he's the way, now us, as God's sons and daughters, and as Jesus' disciples, we look to Jesus daily to imitate him, to, to learn who he is, to get to know him, to do the things he did. Yes, yes. He's our model. Now, we're not imitating Jesus externally. We're not trying to have the same kind of beard he had, the same kind of clothes he had. We're imitating his internal attitude. That's how we imitate Jesus. Not by wearing sandals. Nothing wrong with sandals. But that's not going to save your life. It's the attitude of his heart that we imitate. Are you ready to go for a journey with me? Are you awake? Father, thank you for this morning. 
Holy Spirit, quicken us now. We are not going to leave here the same as when we came in. You love us too much. We receive your word this morning. Transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. The more that you imitate the attitude of the heart of Jesus, the more God the Father will show up in your life. The more that your heart attitude reflects the heart attitude of Jesus, the more the power of the Holy Spirit will manifest in your life. Stay with me. We're going to go all the way. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Right? Religious goggles are off. Religious earbuds are out. We're all about Jesus. Why? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Where else are we going to go to know God? We don't want to just know about God. We want to know God. Right? Intimately, as a husband knows his wife. As one. You know, if you put your faith in Christ, you become one with God. Is that a new doctrine that I created? That's Bible, baby. We've been joined to him. Philippians 2.5. Here's Jesus, and we're going to imitate him in the attitude of our heart, right? Because this is really where, where the real you comes alive. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I like that. That's pretty plain, isn't it? All right, then. Let's look at that in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Make your own attitude. It's a decision, isn't it? God's not going to do this. You have to do this. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. How do I do that? By choosing to imitate him, by studying him in the scriptures, right? Thinking like he thinks, believing what he believes, saying what he says. Message translation, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. This will knock the religion right out of you. Religion tells you you can't do that. Right? right? He was God and you're not. Well, yes, he was God. But he gave his life for us so that we become God's sons and daughters. Jesus taught us that God the Father loves us just as he loves Jesus. The New Testament teaches us our spirits are united with God. Right? We're not making this up, are we? Why would we want to do that? We want to know the truth. Right? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, he had no religious ideas. He knew who he was. He wasn't playing any games. Verse 7. Look at this. But made himself of no reputation. Now, is that the opposite of the world or what? The world is all about reputation. You got to make a name for yourself. Everyone's got to know who you are and what you stand for. That's not our attitude. We don't care if anyone ever says our name again. We don't care. 
Because the only reputation we want to promote is Jesus. We want to make him as famous as we can. That's something to think about as you go through it. Are you interested in your name being known? People giving you credit? When we pray for someone and their lives change, who gets the glory? All of it. All of it. Right? Because anything good comes from him. Right? So he made himself of no reputation. Remember, make your attitude that of Christ. So we do the same. We make ourselves of no. We're not interested in what people think about us. We're not trying to get the approval of man. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's Bible right there. Verse 8. <clears throat> so if, you, if you're of no reputation, go, let's see, do we go back to verse 7? If you, if you have that attitude, you won't mind serving. In fact, you'll love it. You will. When you get the attitude of Jesus, you love serving others. You look forward to do it. You come up with ways you can do it more. It's true. You change your whole life to do it. But if you're trying to get a reputation, if you're trying, if you want people to acknowledge you, serving is going to rub you the wrong way. Because you're thinking about yourself rather than imitating Jesus who is thinking about his father. What, boy, does that set you free. Going through life not concerned about yourself and thinking about the Father being known. Okay, let's go to verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wow. Verse 9. Wherefore God also, look what God does now. Jesus is not interested in his name being known. God also, also highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name. He, he, he said, I'm not interested in my name being known, my reputation. And what is, how does God respond to true humility? He exalts his name. Do you know God wants to exalt your name? He wants to give you a name. So the people can come to know him through you. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love how God operates. Now listen, what is it in this heart of Jesus? It's, Jesus chose in his heart to make the priorities of his father his own priorities. And so we do that now, right? Because we're making our attitude like Jesus. We doing Okay. Isn't this good? We're going way down in here. Don't be afraid. God loves you too much. Let his love chase away every fear. So Jesus took on the Father's priorities. Do you know that's what real humility is? To make God's priorities your own. That's what real humility is. To make God's priorities your priorities. Now, let's keep looking. I love looking at Jesus. Let's get some more Jesus. Let's go to John 4. John 4, 32. Give you a little summary here. Jesus is, is ministering with his disciples, and they go grocery shopping. They go to stop and shop to get some groceries. But Jesus, is, he's got the priorities of the Father on his mind, and he knows there's someone that needs salvation. And he stays behind, and he ministers to a woman at the well. And they come back, and they're kind of like, what is he doing? And they're concerned about him. Say, you know, master, you haven't eaten. 
And look what Jesus said. Remember, this is his heart here. This is the heart of Jesus, which we imitate. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. They didn't know about this intimacy with the Father yet. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. Jesus hadn't risen yet. They weren't full of the Holy Spirit yet. There are a lot of things that disciples didn't know yet. He said, you don't know about this food that I eat. This intimacy with God as, as Father. Verse 33, the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him a, a, a Big Mac? <laughs> and in verse 34, I love how he says this. My Big Mac, my food, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's our attitude now, right? Yeah. If it's not, go ahead and make it. Just do it. Make it your attitude. I'm telling you, this is when the real you comes alive. It sets you free from every hang-up. Because you're not living for your reputation anymore. You're living for the Father. Now look at this verse in the message translation. Oh, this is good. You're still awake, right? We're doing okay? This is the message translation. The food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. This is why, why we get worn out and tired because we're not focused on doing his will, but we're focused on something else, maybe doing our own. It will wear you out. The food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me. Finishing his work. So he's really focused on his father, isn't he? Everywhere he goes, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he's thinking, Father, what do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What can I do for you, sir? I love Jesus. Look at the living Bible. Then Jesus explained. Explain to me, please. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment. Now we're talking about nutritional benefits. Are you on the doing the will of God diet? <laughs> my nutrition, the nourishment of my being, comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And from finishing his work, the doing the will of God diet will nourish your physical body. Amen. It will bring health to you. I mean, the benefits of imitating Jesus are off the charts. They couldn't stop this guy. Flu couldn't get in him. Why? His nourishment came from walking with his father. The chemistry of your body will change when the father's priorities become your own. <laughs> you want some more Jesus? Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Now, you know the 
the background here. Well, let's set it up a little bit because it's really important. I mean, we all have things to do, right? We're living in a busy world. We're living in, a, in the age of information where information is flying at us constantly. So let's, here's Jesus now. His, he's 12 years old in Luke chapter 2. Luke gives us an insight into the boy, young man life of Jesus. Now, Jesus' dad, we know he had a profession. He was a what? Carpenter. Maybe he had his own business. You know, Joseph and sons. I don't know. But he maybe had some projects going on. Some work he had to get done. Some homes he needed to build. Maybe he was working on some temples. But they took time every year to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. And not just them. So he got his whole family together. And their, their cousins, their relatives, their friends. And they went up in a company every year to Jerusalem. So they're there. If you'll read, we're not going to take time to read it. They're there for the number of days they planned on being there for the days of the feast. And then they turn around and leave. Maybe he was thinking, oh, I've got to get back to... You know, I've got to get back to that home I've been working on. i get back to, you know, someone's garage needs fixed or whatever it is. You know, I've got to put that new roof on, whatever it is. You know, so he might be thinking of all the things he's got to do. And, and Mary might be thinking of all the things she's involved in and, and their family members. So they head back home. And they're so caught up in all the things going on in their life, they don't notice that their son's not with them. I mean, you've got to be pretty distracted to know your son's not there, Right? But yeah, I give them a break. They, they had a lot of friends and relatives with them. They were traveling in a large company. They weren't in a little Volkswagen. Okay. So they realize that Jesus is missing. And it takes them three days to find him. Why? Because they're thinking of all the stuff they've got going on. They're probably mad that they now have to take extra time to find their son, which is going to take time away from work. Why did he do this to us? Where is he? He should be with us. And the last place they decide to look, which speaks of the priorities of their heart, was church. It was the last place they looked. And guess where he was? In the temple. And he didn't understand what the problem was. He really didn't. He's not being fresh here. He's just being honest. And they said, son, why have you done this to us? He said, oh, I'm in trouble. He said, well, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must, mandatory, I've made it, I've made it, there's no option for me. I must be about my father's business. Haven't you been watching me live for these past so many years? Haven't you noticed that my, the focus of my heart is my father? Sometimes parents may not even notice their kids because they're so busy working. And they don't even notice the gifts and the things that God has deposited in their children. Don't let that happen to you. See, your work schedule, God will help you fulfill your obligations at work when you make his priorities your priorities. Don't think for a minute what we're talking about means you have to quit your job or you have to just go off on a hill somewhere. That's not, that's not what you have to do. This is about your heart attitude. Okay? This is your heart attitude. So when you go to work and before you go to bed and when you get up, you're thinking about the Father and His priorities. And watch Him bless you on your job. Watch Him prosper you on your job when you make His priorities your own.
Now, I love this phrase, I must be about my father's business. Literally, in the Hebrew, it could read this way. I must be in the things of my father. This is a 12-year-old young man. What a hard attitude, huh? It can also be read, I must be involved in my father's interests. (laughs) I like that. I must. I have made a decision that my life is going to be about accomplishing the Father's interests. Remember, we make our attitude the same as Jesus, right? Why? Because we're his disciples. He's our role model. He's our hero. He's our all in all. Now, in Psalm 138, it says, The Lord will accomplish what concerns you. Great promise of God to grab a hold of. Verse 8. Well, in the same way, we want to accomplish what concerns the Father. (laughs) If he's concerned about it, we're on it. So we realize, like Jesus, the life we're living is really not our own. Mm -hmm. We have a divine mission. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get distracted from that. Because the world tells you you how you need to spend your time, what kind of job you need to have what kind of home you need to live in, how many phones you need, right? But we're not looking to the world to, 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 to create the picture of our life. We're letting the Father build our lives on Christ, right? We're doing okay. Look at the uh, message translation of verse 49. Didn't you know that I had to be here? He was in church. He was in the temple. Why is this the last place you looked for your answer? Dealing with the things of my father. Man, that's good, isn't it? We're looking at the heart of Jesus. Nothing more beautiful. Nothing more uh, profitable to spend time investing in. Holman Christian Standard Bible says it this this way. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Wow. Now stay with me. Don't get mad. But being in church throughout his life was a priority to Jesus. Now we say at Highway Church, we don't come to church anymore, right? right. Why? Because we put our faith in Christ, we became the church. Right? Everywhere we go is church. But I want you to understand there is an organized system of worship that God implemented. All right? It's a corporate gathering, and we call it church. That's okay. It's a term we use. But in the Old Testament, they gathered in the temple publicly, corporately. And they went, and now in Jesus at this time, it was still Old Testament worship, wasn't it? New Testament hadn't been ratified yet. So they went through the Old Testament worship. What is our New Testament system of worship? Do we bring sacrifices for our sins? No, we sure don't. Well, we look in Acts to see that. What did they do in Acts chapter 2 and 3? That says they met in the temple daily. And they brought offerings. They sold property. They worshiped God. And they heard the gospel preached, the ministry of the word. That's our same system. Now, we don't meet daily. We rent this place once a week. And we meet in homes once a week, but we can still meet with each other, right? 
But we're believing God for it. Not that we're going to meet daily when we get a place anyway, but, you know, we're, we're, we're following the Lord. But in other words, what happened when those 3,000 people got saved in Acts? The attitude of Jesus blossomed in their heart. And what was going on in God's house became important to them. Now hear me. We've all had church, quote unquote, church experiences, right? And I told you before, I've had some doozies. And if the Lord leads, I'll share some of those with you maybe. But I mean, stuff that just made me want to quit altogether. You know, spiritual leaders being dishonest, manipulating me and others. Just things you thought you're never going to see. You know, even from pastors or leaders. It's like, what is going on here? But listen, don't let the behavior of man sour you from the things of God. Sure, we all make mistakes. We all do. And there is no perfect church. Listen, rise above your past by receiving God's love for you and choosing to love him more than what you've been through. All right? We doing okay? So in 2014, we started this church because we wanted to give a place for people to come where, first of all, they would hear the fullness of, of the gospel, the gospel of grace that Paul preached, that Jesus preached, okay? And, and it's, boy, it's not easy to find. It is not. That's why we started this place. So that's the first reason that we started this place, to give people a physical location that they could come to and hear about the abundance of God's grace and the gift of his righteousness so they could reign in life through Christ, Okay? But we also, I really feel we're kind of getting close to moving to a facility. So if you're new here, we rent this place. It's a karate studio, which is fine, but we're kind of cramped. And we want our own space. And uh, so Jennifer and I have been looking. We have Debbie and Dennis looking. And I'm sharing this with you. This is just some family talk because we're family here. The Lord's pattern for raising up churches is he'll call somebody to do it. Could be a man or a woman. And then he'll call people to come alongside them. You being here is not a coincidence. We've all come from different church experiences. And sometimes it's just time to change. It's a new season. You need to move on to a different place. Especially as you start realizing the finished work of Christ and getting a revelation of his grace. There, You just can't stay certain places anymore. You got to get fed. You got to you got to get nourished. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's it's okay. Sometimes it's time to move on. Sometimes it's time for a new season, a new church, a new change. We're all the body of Christ, but we're all in different places. Okay? There I I just couldn't go back to the places I've been. I love them, but I know too much now. I've tasted too much of the Lord's goodness. I've received too much of his love for my life. I can't go backwards. I got to go forwards. So the reason I'm sharing this with you as, in, as I'm seeking the Lord each day, I believe that he is preparing us to go into a facility. I don't know if that'll be in a few months or in the next year. I don't know. But we want to have the hard attitude so when we get in there, we can just move forward. So what the Lord is looking for is our hearts that are completely his. Okay? 
Let's get some more Jesus. Can we read some more Jesus? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Boy, this is good. Isn't this good? Come on, our past is behind us. Right? We're free now. Verse 23, this is Jesus talking. Oh, this is good. Are you okay with reading more Jesus? Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must. That sounds like Luke 2. I must be about my father's business. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily. Why? Because we live one day at a time. This is a daily decision we make. Right? Daily and follow me. So it's good that you prayed 10 years ago and received Christ. But what about today? What decision did you make this morning? Did you decide to follow him this morning? Look at the next verse. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. That's someone who's interested in the reputation. They're going to lose the destiny of God for their lives if they keep with that perspective of self. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And thank God for the, our armed forces who have given their lives so that we could be free. But I want to tell you, uh, the greatest sacrifice is to give your life to heaven. Give your life to the cause of the Father. Because we may not be wearing medals and, and uniforms, but the cause we have is the greatest cause of all for the kingdom of heaven to spread in earth. Amen. For the eternal salvation of men and women of all ages. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. That is so opposite of the world. The world tells you you've got to cling to it to keep it. Are you clinging to something in your life? It's good to know. You'll know what you're clinging to because it's whatever you're afraid to let go of. What are you afraid to let go of? Verse 25. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet or lose or forfeit his very self? Wouldn't that be a tragedy? You've got all the accolades of the world. Millions of people know your name, but you've lost your very self. You're not true to who you were made to be. Listen here. Listen closely. This is so good. The more you give yourself to the priorities of the Father, the clearer your vision for your life will become. Is so true. The more you give yourself to the heart of the Father, to what's important to Him, the clearer you will see yourself and the vision God has for your life. There is no other way. God doesn't ask us for much. Just everything. He wants every bit of you. 
Why? It's like a marriage. Can you imagine if, if Jennifer and I, we got married and say, okay, every third Tuesday we're going to be together. This is going to be awesome. I'll sleep over, you know, we'll, we'll be together every third Tuesday of the month. Wow, what a marriage that would be, right? No, what is, why do you get married? Because you can't live anymore apart from that person. And that's why I marry, I can't, I'm not going to be apart from you. I have to live with you, girl. This dating ain't cutting it. Dropping you off at home just ain't cutting it. I've got to be in your house. You have to wake up next to me. We have to go through life together. It's called marriage. God wants no less from us. Marriage is simply a reflection of the relationship God wants to have with you. It's giving your whole self to God. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Isn't this good? This will set you free. This will let that stress will just start falling off you. I like how Billy Graham explains these verses. Have you ever heard of him? Billy Graham. He's in heaven now. Probably one of the most influential evangelists of maybe of all time, certainly of the 20th and 21st century. He said, he's explaining these verses, and this is what he says. You see, Jesus doesn't simply call us to believe that he existed. It's not going to help you. (laughs) Or even to believe that he can save us. He calls on us to commit our whole lives to him. To trust him alone for our salvation. And then to follow him. As his disciples. He said, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's Luke 14, 27. We read Luke 9. Is Christ the master of your life? Have you put to death your own plans? Oh, that hurts. No, it'll set you free, man. There's everything good about that. Have you put to death your own plans and committed yourself to his will for your life? If you haven't, do it now. This moment. Father, I give my whole life to you. I commit to your plans. Reveal your plans for my life. Sometimes that's why it might be difficult to hear his voice because you're clinging to something. You're afraid to let go of something. And he's trying to speak to you, but you're, no, no, I can't let go of that. Don't be satisfied with anything less than his plan, his will for your life. For there is no greater joy in life than following Christ every day. The Reverend Billy Graham, I like that. So God isn't looking for perfect people. He's not going to find any. Jesus was the only one, right? What is he looking for? Hearts that are completely his. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says it best. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro 
They run. That's how passionate God is about this. I mean, God is not waiting for the world to fall apart. God wants to, to save the world now. God wants this to be over now. God wants a new heaven and a new earth now. The only reason Jesus hasn't returned is he wants as many people saved as can be. It's his patience and his grace. He doesn't want the junk that's going on in the world. He wants people to be saved. He wants a new heaven, a new earth. So he's running to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong on behalf of those who are famous. No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. On behalf of those whose heart is completely his. What we're talking about now is character. The deep down stuff that makes life worth living. And I say that because the world is gift focused. And sometimes the church becomes gift focused. And people will come, they see you starting a new church, and they, oh, this is my opportunity to use my gifts. That's not wrong per se, because you want to use your gifts. But I don't want to use my gifts. I want to follow the Father. It's not about using our gifts. And the thing about our gifts, we, we, have no, we can take no credit for the gifts we've been given. A gift is a gift. And a gift is given to you of no merit of your own. So uh, this is good. Boy, we're talking about some, some deep stuff. We're getting ready to go higher. I want you to come along. I'm telling you, we are in for, for glorious things. Amen. Glorious, transforming, powerful things. And we've seen some glorious things already. But I want to say this to you um, because, boy, I, I gave everything to Jesus at 19 years of age. And I'm so glad I did. But I, I started uh, recognizing a calling on my life uh, about 10 years after that. And... I didn't understand it. I didn't know what I know now. But at that time, I was a professional musician. And it's all I ever did. Uh, and here I am. So I would have been, what, like 29 at the time. And we were planning on living in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and getting plugged into the music industry down there. We were ready to move. And we ended up coming here to New England. But I wanted Jesus more than anything. And we're ready to move. And as we're, as we're spending time here in New England, the Holy Spirit just starts really revealing to me God's plan for our lives and the calling on our lives. And, and there's the Lord, I, I felt, asked me, would you give up music for me? And that's something I did for all my life. And it was a very strong gift in me. And, and I thought about it, I said, yeah, sure would. And I knew that he was calling me to be a pastor. I didn't really understand what that was. So I said, Lord, I give music to you. I'll never play it again if you don't want me to. I'll never touch another guitar string, never pick up another pick, never sing another note, because I want you more. You know, we can see in the life of Abraham that his heart was completely God's. How? How did, what, what proved that? He was willing to give God his only son. When your heart is completely his, there's nothing you won't give him. That was what was so special about David. God said in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 13, he said, I found David 
to be a man after my own heart. Hallelujah. Now, I, I'm bringing all this up, and we're just kind of flowing here. <laughs> because church is an interesting place. <laughs> we're all coming from different places. We've all got different goals. But something happens when all of our goals merge unto the goal of the Father. That's when all the gifts take their place. When no one's trying to get known, no one wants a platform, no one's trying to be the one in the spotlight, be up front, I could care less if I ever stand up here again. I really do. I, I'm fine. Really. In fact, Paul said this, and it's so good. He said, uh, if I preach the gospel willingly, then I'll get a reward. But if unwillingly, a dispensation has been entrusted to me. That's me all the way. I am doing this unwillingly. I am. Paul did it that way. Why? Because this is something the Father asked me, and I say, okay, I'll do it. But it's, it's not, it's not, it wasn't my choice. It wasn't something I decided on my future goals that I'm going to do this. And boy, it's so freeing. And then you discover things that are inside of you you didn't know were in there. See, God will ask things of you because he wants to unearth the real you. And the real you can't come out if the real you's clinging to stuff. Well, we may as well keep going. We okay? Well, we're, oh boy, we're going to have to stop, I guess. God, you're so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to miss the moment here. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. He'll, he'll take care of you the rest of the day. So when you come, man, just come ready to be free. We don't have an agenda here. We want more Jesus. Isn't that great? Right? Now, the church that the Lord set up, the New Testament model we have, they worshiped God, they brought offerings, and the word was preached. That's what they did. That was it. And I guess we can close with this. And we'll look at it more the next week because there's so much to be gained here. It's a whole different way of thinking. So we don't come to church for religious obligation. We don't come because we're afraid we're not going to get to heaven or any of that stuff. But we want to get plugged into the mission. So we don't volunteer here. How boring is that? We serve the king, okay? We really, whatever we're doing, whether we're folding a chair or turning a volume knob or connecting a cable, man, we're doing it under the Father. Now let me share this with you as we go on. Obviously, there are practical needs. But the main reason we gather is so that uh, people can worship God publicly can worship him uh, with their, their person, with their finances, and that people can hear the gospel of God's grace. That's, that's it. We're keeping it simple, okay? But the, obviously there are practical needs to do that. That's what helps ministries are, right? The, uh, you know, setting up uh, the tables and the, the audio equipment, all those things require hands. So there was a man who mentored me many years ago. He's in heaven now. Uh, he came up from Texas in 1979, and he went to a world-renowned uh, Bible 
school of one of the most influential men of the 20th century, Kenneth E. Hagin, that has impacted the world for the gospel. And he graduated. He was in the first class of this guy's Bible school. And he looked at the, the leader who was world-renowned, and he, he was expecting, he said, okay, so what do I do now? And he's expecting this great man of God to give him some word from heaven, like, okay, thus saith the Lord, you are to go here and do this. And he looked at him, and he said, do what your hand knows how to do. <laughs> what? That's from Ecclesiastes, right? Do what your hand knows how to do. So listen, if, you, if there's something your hand knows how to do, you know, we can plug in cords. We can do different things. We can set up a table. Just start doing what you know how to do. Start pitching in, and you'll be amazed at what God does in your life. Amen. You'll be amazed. Amen. So that's how this all started with me. Uh, I followed that advice, and I thought, okay, Lord's calling me into ministry. What do I know how to do? Well, I can play music. And it turned out there was a need for I'm musicians, worship musicians. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do that then since we know how to do that. And from that, just things unfolded. But don't uh, hyper-spiritualize things. People want to walk in and set in the office God has called them to. Well, it doesn't work that way. Ta Paul taught Timothy to know those who labor among you. We want character. We want people whose hearts are completely his. Okay. Before we can have a public ministry, we need a private ministry with our wife, with our family, with our children, in our home. That's where what's in your heart shows up. I can be real nice in public, right? I can do all these different things. But what about when no one else is around? Okay? So that's where we're going. We're out of time for right now. But I'm excited. Be encouraged. God loves you. Give your whole self to him. This is a new thing God is doing. This is so exciting. This is a new thing for this region that God's doing right here. And we're so excited about it. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, your love for us just changes everything. The past, we put it behind us. We're not there anymore, and we're not going back. Lord, help us to, to uh, experience your interest. We choose to make our attitude as that of Jesus Christ. We must be in your house. We must be about your business. Because, Lord, you're all there is, Father. You are the maker of heaven and earth. You're the one who made us. There is nothing else to live for. Holy Spirit, lead us forward. Lead us forward as this body of believers. Thank you for facility. That is, is super, that meets our needs, that enables us to grow and expand and do the things you've put in our hearts to do. Thank you, Lord, for building a team, a family of people whose hearts are completely yours. And we're not so concerned about what we're doing, but who we're, who we're serving. Thank you, Lord, for transforming us this morning. We're never going to be the same because of what you've done in our lives during our time together here. And we thank you for it, Jesus. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us 
or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.